This is CliffCentral.com. 360biz on CliffCentral.com. It is a beautiful Wednesday evening. My name is Deborah Homafodi. Welcome to another exciting installment of 360biz. It is a beautiful Wednesday. You know that whenever you hear us on air, it is indeed 360biz. This is a show that brings you subject matter expert. We bring in regulators. We bring in industry champions. And most importantly, you know that we pride ourselves that this is the one show that we hold people accountable and have real discussions and uh, this particularly today's show it's one that is different that i said i want no other guest but this one man um that i was supposed to i know i was supposed to have had him last year um sometime when uh, it was last year last of last year during the fees must fall um campaign that was taking place um in the country but because he's got a hectic and busy uh, diary i couldn't be able to have him but i've got him here uh, today it is indeed after June 16, uh, we, it's a month of young people where we're celebrating young people generally in the country and what has happened in terms of how they, what role they played as young people for us to get here as a country. I mean, today we are uh, in the 20 something odd years of freedom since democracy, but this freedom wouldn't have been there if young people didn't once upon a time stand and said enough. Um, it's enough. That's why I'm particularly excited about today's show being the fourth industrial revolution in empowerment that I know this particular guest that I have in studio today, he's very, very passionate about young people and them revolutionizing the country and transformation as a whole. He is indeed a young man that once upon a time, I remember, didn't say, he said it to himself, he doesn't want to sit on the sideline and watch um, the country transform, but he want to be part of the transformation. I remember once upon a time, we used to call him the godfather of transformation, or of BE in the country. He grew up in Dube, in Soweto, um, this young man, and he grew up to actually becoming, um, I don't know whether should I say a well-known man, or a brand he created. I know he created value out of himself. That's why I always say South Africa has got about plus minus 50 million people. Those 50 million people, they've got my money and your money. But however, for them to even give you one rent of that money, you need to give them value. That's the one thing that we tend to misunderstand or misinterpret sometime as a whole. But I'm particularly excited to be introducing and having him in studio today to discuss with me the first industrial revolution in empowerment let me take this opportunity to welcome in studio with me none other than mr voyo jack how are you my brother i'm finding you too. no no good thanks man no it's it's good to have you um on on the show um particularly today you've been busy you've been working man you know you've been putting on some work um from early on in the years when some of us are sleeping when some of us were still growing I know that some of us are in entrepreneurship today and sitting in boards looking up to men like yourselves. Hey, maybe let me take it. Let me, let's, let, let's start from the beginning. There's someone that is listening. He can hear my excitement about this view check. They've never heard. Maybe on that era when you were working and creating a revolution, uh, they were still in their piece or in primary or whatsoever. Do you want to quickly tell, say hi to our listeners? Tell us who you are. And what is it that you do? And when did this entrepreneurship drive that you have start? Okay, so I was born <clears throat> in Dube. And uh, and I grew up in a very musical and artistic family that loved mm. school. 
Mm-hmm. So you had to be educated. So I used to go to play the piano at nine o'clock on Saturday and go to the library to get books. And that's how I would read about uh, entrepreneurship and so forth and decided, actually, I want to make movies mm-hmm. and music. But in order to be able to do that, I need to learn how to how money works. Yeah. That's why I became an entrepreneur. <laughs> okay. And I became a chartered accountant and did my articles with PricewaterhouseCoopers. And when I finished that, I then started EmpowerDex. And with the aim, how do we make sure that black people are in charge of their economic destiny? So that's what really drove me. So it wasn't the normal just journey of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. where I just want to become rich. But it was like, how do we really revolutionize things for black people so that they can be in charge of their economic destiny? And that's how we then started Empowerdex focusing on first um, how do we measure this thing? Mm. So, and therefore learning using our auditing skills said, actually in audits, you can come up with the steps and audit something. So can we apply this skill to a new subject area called black economic empowerment? At the time there was only the black economic empowerment commission report. Mm-hmm. There was no legislation. There was no strategy. I know. So it was like the Wild West. Yeah. <clears throat> but, 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 you know, interesting enough, I, I think maybe, uh, you know, the, the one thing I love about this show is that it's unscripted, it's uncensored, it's on radio. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I can safely say you had balls, you know, to decide to jump into this wagon that had no direction, that had no definition. And I know that for a fact, even in terms of corporate South Africa, you created um, some of the definition, you created some of the route to say this is how it needs to go and this is how it needs to get there. You know, because I remember even at the time, at some point, you were busy that even because obviously corporate at some point when this thing started got frightened to say, you know, uh, power is just going to be given and this and this and that. Do you understand? But you got into this space that... Most people didn't understand. At some point, I didn't understand myself. But at the time, there was not even uh, courses around transformation, around BE and whatsoever. But you had balls to say, you know, you'd go in. Uh, I don't know. Did you study the act, the legislator? What? Did, how? How did you decide to say, you know what? I don't want to be starting an accounting firm, but I want to start a consulting firm that deals particularly in this space. So, you know, you had a, ch- I had a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, after finishing articles, uh, I had a nice offer to work for a mentioned bank that, uh, it's German based and I would go to the US and then London and have a career track. Mm-hmm. So on June 16th, 2001, I sat with my partner, Chow Chow Wu, and I said, Chow Chow, if we look, we are like, uh, only 25. And if we look forward and say, what are the risks that we're taking? If this fails, mm. we can always go back to corporate, right? But if I go to corporate first and I get too comfortable, I'll never go back on an entrepreneurial journey. That's so true. therefore, I said, whatever I got to lose, if I start something and it fails, at least I would say I tried. So that's the decision we took, mm-hmm. uh, sitting in a coffee shop in June 16, 2001 and said, okay, we're going to do Empowerdex. And it wasn't easy. But 
what uh, and most people told us yo you're studying something i'll keep my day job if i was you because you don't have a clue this is not going to work yeah and white people are not going to just drive bee to just empower black people look at all the deals that have done look at what happened to Mzikumalo. Hey. he got burned with johnny deals and so forth yeah and so and with the uh, 1998 uh downturn mm-hmm. you know b deals fell flat so there was no activity in BDO. So people were skeptical about us being able to make a difference. But what we had, we went to uh, the office of President Mbeki then and said, this is a solution we have broadly for NEPAD. But in order for this to work, we need to start on the small scale on BEE. And this, it can really, uh, it can be then scaled up mm-hmm. to deal with NEPAD. And that we got political buy-in. And then we were able to then say, okay, to break this down because you can't just you know eat an elephant like that you have to find small parts of an elephant True. and cut it down True. and then we then engage said okay how do we measure this thing so we said hang on you can measure financial rating so we looked at to moody's mm-hmm. and said moody's has measurements of all these things so True. what if we use similar kind of approach but in a different field and we bring in some auditing experience <laughs> and you create something <laughs> that is completely new and we had content from the BEE Commission report that uh, President Ramaphosa had chaired. Mm-hmm. And so we then took that and then added uh, something unique. And that's how it, came, it became BEE ratings, mm-hmm. which had also some auditing procedures um, sprinkled in there. And then we took a bold step. We said, okay, can we call Moody's in New York? To say, tell us how you run a rating agency. Tell us wow. how do you come up with your methodologies. So I wrote, uh, it was a fax in those days. I sent a fax <laughs> to the CEO of Moody's in New York yeah. and said, can we be able to have a meeting with you in New York? And we didn't have money. <laughs> yeah. And so they, they responded like a week later and said, wow, this is an intriguing idea. Mm. But actually, New York is too far from you. So you can actually talk to our London office. So mm. we engaged with the London office. We spent a week with Moody's in London. They showed us how they do structured finance. And we were not a threat to them because mm. BE and structured finance and sovereign ratings are completely different things. So that's how they empowered us. And it was quite amazing because... For them to open up, you know, to the level of how they chose analysts, mm. how they have a black box. We learned the very secret. How do you keep a black box in terms of nobody should know your ratings, but you should give enough and have a secret source. <laughs> and how do you do your accounting mm. and, and so forth? So we had that information and we came armed with that and said, well, how do we start get our first clients? It was tough because everybody, when you're talking to them, says, nah, no, this is not going to work. So we went to Sizwe Masana at Telcom. He was yeah. CEO of Telcom. And we said, Sizwe, it's not going to cost you anything. Give us 10 people of your suppliers because Telcom is the leader in transformation at this stage. We will be able to test our methodology with you. So we chose 10 suppliers and mm. we had two listed companies and medium companies and smaller companies. And that's how we tested the thing. And it was uh, amazing, the results that we got. (laughs) And then I didn't have enough people. So we went to Deloitte and said, Deloitte, you know, you have accountants that don't, that have idle time. So can you borrow them to us to collect this information? Wow. So Charles Godfrey from Deloitte said, okay, this sounds interesting. I'll give you some uh, 
trainee accountants. That's how we then were able to collect information. So it's about how to use existing resources and optimize on them. That got us going. Because if we were trying to start something big and launch in a big way, you know, it ends up being a failure. But if you start small, chunk it into small pieces, and then the things start coming together. And when you fail, you fail small, and Mm -hmm. you can be able to pivot quickly. And also, how do you utilize partnerships where people have unused resources mm. and it doesn't cost them extra. So True. for Telcom, it didn't cost them a cent. Mm-hmm. For Charles Godfrey at Deloitte, it said, well, there's time we're already paying for them. So they ca- I can give you eight hours a week for them. So boom, that's how we did it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to, 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 um, to, to the, the, the reasoning and the thinking behind your, the plan. It's it's different for you though, eh? Mm. Um, I'm I'm sure I'm, I think I think the 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 beautiful people that are going to be listening or that are listening to this show right now, uh, is that I think they they would see that you are you are a different breed of an entrepreneur, you know, and and right now I always say that there's a this entrepreneurship goes in generations. Mm. There's the old generation, um, that that. With them, it was it was about um, the revolution of the struggle. Yeah. Um. Then political. Um. You know, turning others. Then the rights, the likes of um Tatema Bonya and whatsoever. Then they say we'll build a revolution, but we will support politics. Um. In terms of us taking over, just and then hey, then came you. I think I think you guys started became the innovation, the new breed of innovators, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the thinking. So, but right now you find. In this day and age, we we live in an era where now uh, some entrepreneurs that we have, I don't know, they've become stagnant. Um, it's as if if you don't have money, um, you cannot start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have connection, if you don't have, do you understand? Yeah. So it's like we have every excuse in the book mm-hmm. uh, to actually start this business. I mean, some people get shocked when um, they discover that um, I came from nothing. Um, and I didn't let my background define me. I said, I shall define my future and created something out of myself. So for me is what would be your message to young people or young entrepreneurs being this youth month that are listening and that are having excuses on not having resources, not having money or the right funding or even the right networks to get things going to actually start in entrepreneurship. So the sad message, well, the the awakening message is that nobody owes you anything. Mm. Nobody owes you to give you money. Nobody owes you to give you business. Nobody owes you anything. You have to, you're responsible for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to take responsibility. And you're not entitled to anything. We've had apartheid, yes. Yeah. We've had exclusion. We have inequality. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't entitle you to say, sorry for this. Here's something handed to you on the platform. That's true. Because you have to do it yourself. Mm. So that's the first message. You're entitled to nothing. Mm. And then secondly, you have an asset. And that is called attention capital. Where you put your attention, that's where the value goes. So now if you put your attention (laughs) on complaining and complaining, guess what's going to grow? The complaining. Yeah. And when you put your attention capital to say, actually, I have something that everybody wants. Mm-hmm. 
So the many people that are listening to this show, you're able to attract attention capital. Once you have attention capital, you're able to attract advertisers. True. Then you make your show valuable. Then the ratings go up. Mm, so, mm. And everybody has attention that they control. How they invest their attention is what's going to make a difference in their lives. Mm. And how do they also attract attention? So Julius Malema love him. Because mm. he's able to attract attention and he's monetized it and to be does. able to get, what, 7% of the votes. And he's revolutionizing politics. Mm. He's saying that things are not going to happen the same way. So he knows how to attract attention and how to manage attention. Mm. And so the ability to then be able to use the attention capital to... Get your business going. That's critical. Mm -hmm. Now, even if you get funding, I can give you money now. You say you need two million. What are you going to use it for? Okay, I'm going to buy this and this this equipment. But if you don't have customers, mm -hmm. I'm going to be wasting my money because I'm not going to get money back. That's true. And so, therefore, and how are you going to get customers? By being able to attract their attention and give them value. And hmm. that's within everybody's control. How you manage your attention uh, capital. And that is in media, that in everything, in politics, mm. when you don't have attention capital, you don't have value, mm. even in relationships. So, And everybody can do something about their attention capital, where they use it and how they are able to uh, attract attention capital to mm. themselves. And that's how we did it. We said we don't have much, but we will use what we have. Mm. And that attracted attention capital of Moody's, which we then used to attract, attract attention capital of Telcom. And then from there, we had Brian Joffe, who was able to say, I'll put money into you guys. We had a 15 minutes meeting with Brian Joffe and he wow. said, what is the concept that you have? And in 10 minutes, we told him, he says, okay, I'm going to put in money here. Hmm. And he brought another investor and we were able to do that. Why? Because we were able to get attention capital and it was something that grabbed their mm -hmm. attention capital and they were able to get their money invested. And three years later, we bought them out at a huge profit for them. So that's it true. was a good return. Yeah. So that's that's the uh, kind of advice I would give. Nobody yeah. owes you a thing and use your attention capital very well. Wow. So then tell me, I mean, um, so now in terms of business interest, you spoke of media um, to say um, now being in the in the media. So I know that, that for the last, um, I think, should I say year or two, um, you've now shied away from, from being in the media. Um, and I don't know, is it intentional? And more than anything, I know to somebody that is listening, they want to know to say what, what, what business interest are you having? Cause being a serial entrepreneur, I know that you've, you'd consult there, you'd have other business interests. What are you doing now? So we've been, uh, I've been away from the media, Claire, intentionally because sometimes you need to have a name to think things through, to test things. Mm -hmm. And so what we've been working on is, uh, spurred by the roads must fall and the fees must fall to say, here's a crisis that we have and we can't let this crisis go to waste without mm -hmm. coming up with something innovative. Okay. And so therefore the big question, roads must fall. Then we asked ourselves, what must replace roads? Because hmm. now you can remove roads and you still have an empty space there that doesn't define us, that has no, 
legacy of the new South Africa. Yeah. So what are we going to do to actually build that? Mm. Fees must fall. So fees can fall, but what's going to happen to the quality of the education and the standards and so forth? Can we be able to sustain it? Government can't. Okay. The universities can't. So what is going to be able to come up? What's going to rise when fees are falling? Hmm. And so that's what we then been spending the last two years uh, thinking about and testing and conceptualizing what we're calling the nation building fund that will enable us as black people to create a nation building fund that will then take some of the existing assets. For example, there's a lot of BEE deals that haven't been done. And in terms of if they've been done, they've come to an end. There's multinationals that have to invest in equity equivalent. True. And so why can we not be able to channel that mm. and be able to deal with the fees issues and be able to deal with the uh, heritage issues and entrepreneurship uh, issues and be able to also create jobs for the unemployed youth? Hmm. Because you have millions of people that are young, not in university, not at work. Where is their attention capital going to go? So we need to take it and be able to say, be involved in heritage, be involved in entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. even at a small scale. So the nation building fund then enables that uh, to happen. And so we've been engaging with some listed companies, with mm -hmm. multinationals, doing the research and structuring this nation building fund and also working with entrepreneurs. So this is a critical thing. Mm. When you only work from the top down, you don't involve the people that are supposed to benefit. You're going to come up with a crap okay. initiative. Mm -hmm. We have to come up with initiatives from the bottom up and also the top down. Mm -hmm. Because the bottom up, you're going to be able to address people's needs. And we see that a lot. So a CEO says, oh, I want to invest in an old age home as part of our uh, CSI, mm. right? And then they build an uh, a, a, a old age home in a village and nobody goes there. Why? Because they never engage with the people on the ground. Mm. And therefore, if they engage with people on the ground, people on the ground say, we need a crash that will actually be properly uh, capacitated with teachers and materials and mm. so forth. That money that you used to build that old age home could actually be 10% of that be used for the uh, ECD center. Mm. So that's a kind of thing that... When we build this nation building fund, we saw that we need to also look at it from the bottom up. And so that's what we, that's what I'm busy with. It's a ambitious, uh, goal to say. You've always been ambitious. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that we're saying that actually it's about time that black people came up with their own solutions. Mm. Not that we have anything against other people's solutions, but most of the solutions that have been presented to us have not had traction because they don't address our needs and our views. Mm. And so the nation building fund, it's a bottom up and a top down approach and it's run by black people. Yeah. So it's run by black people for black people. If you want to join on the discussion, you can always follow us on Twitter. We are at cliff central, um, com uh, on Twitter. We are at cliff central, um, on Facebook as well. If you want to follow me as well, it's at double um, on Twitter, it's at Debohoma40 Instagram and Debohoma40 on Facebook. Are you on social media? Yes. 
What's your social media for? So uh, my Twitter is at Vuyojack. At Vuyojack. And then also my Instagram, Vuyojack. Vuyojack. Now, and, so, and you get to be part of the discussion. Tweet us as much as we can. Ask whatever questions. Um, then I'm sure we'll be able to, to reply uh, on some of these tweets. So then um, tell me, Vuyo. I mean, you've, you've raised some very important issues that um, I think the um the entwining nation building fund wants to focus on so that affect black people you know and that's why i think predominantly this um this fund is for black people run by black people right now transformation has been one of the biggest discussions um yeah. in our country since be came into effect and the new be codes as well got in you even said it yourself earlier that there's um certain entwining um, be deals that were not done and others were done wrong so Transformation, um, in the discussion, where is it right now? Are we transforming as a country? Is it slow? Where is it going? And, you know, since, since inception, cause right now, a lot of people are saying BE is failing and has failed. It's true and it's not true, right? So B has succeeded okay. in being able to get the mindset of corporates to say, we really need to empower people mm-hmm. because it beat their bottom line. So if you don't do it, it's going to affect your bottom line. Okay. So that's the success of it because – and that that bottom line impact has enabled many companies in the country to actually do BE because wherever you go, everyone is going to ask you what is mm. your BE status. And yeah, if you true. don't have your BE status, you can't do business. So mm. it succeeded at that level. However, it hasn't succeeded in enabling black people to get cash in their pockets. Hmm. So okay. look at BE deals. Let's say 400 billion worth of deals have been done. My measure of success is how much of that 400 billion ended up in the pockets of people. Mm. Hey. We have enterprise development that is happening. How much of that cash ends up in the hands of black people? So you as an entrepreneur, you're going to be given a space in an incubator. Mm. You're going to be trained hey. endlessly. So somebody is getting cash from that, mm-hmm. but it's not you. There's no cash that goes to your pocket. Nice. So I ask myself, if I don't see cash getting into your pocket, how are you going to be empowered to be able to reinvest the cash that is in your pockets to be able to create more enterprises? So from that perspective, it hasn't really worked to the fullest extent that it could have. More than $1 trillion worth of procurement takes place, for example, in the JSC. Mm-hmm. But how much of that really ends up in the pockets of black people? Mm. So that's my gripe. Because it appears as if it's going there, but actually when you really, really measure it, it doesn't. And black people are still financially fragile. Yeah. So I'm writing a book, and this is going to be a controversial title. So I've, I probably can't even, cannot even say it here. <laughs> it's saying, no, no, no. Remember we unscripted and censored. So you can say whatever. What's the title of the book, Will? <laughs> so the book is called Clever Blacks Are Fucked. Wow. Why? Wow. Clever Blacks Are Fucked. Yeah. Okay. Professionally, yeah. if you're a clever black and you work in a corporate, mm-hmm. you're not going to be the top dog that leads the corporate the same way a white person will. Hmm. Okay. I want to hear more. Look at the listed entities today. <laughs> so you have a white CEO and then, then when it's time to appoint a black CEO, there's yeah. two CEOs. That's true. A black 
Any, yeah. Or two black CEOs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And which doesn't happen often though. Yeah. 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 No, no. I've, I haven't seen two blacks. Mm. But, or oh, the responsibilities change to be adjusted so that some of the responsibility Aye. goes to the CFO and so forth. So the, the reality is clever blacks in professional corporate world are fucked. They're not going to lead the corporate with full unfettered powers that their white predecessors have. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Please just adjust your mic. Yeah. And then professionally in yeah. the government, uh, then they're also in trouble because some people in government sometimes are not appointed on merit. Mm-hmm. So there's always a limit for black, clever blacks that are professionals in terms of how far they can go in government because top people there might not be necessarily interested in service True. delivery. True. They might have other agendas. And that's why you've seen in government departments a lot of migration of clever blacks. That's so true. So, professionally, we're in trouble. Two, <laughs> politically, <laughs> you know, where is the place for clever blacks mm. in politics? Where is the voice? What policies are actually talking about utilizing their ideas and skills and opportunities? Why, Political why, parties. Yeah, I know. Why don't you, be, why don't you also do, uh, become a politician? Because that's not where my strength is. My strength is in business. My strength is being an entrepreneur. Hmm. So I have to play to my strengths. Yeah, no, definitely. So now, so now, I mean, um, for, 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 for me, ish, yeah, no, it's, 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 and, and come to think of it, you know, I was, I was, I was thinking that the other day and, and, and I want to, I want to, I want to say this to you. Um, I've realized what, what you've said, it's so true. And I was saying to someone that this system is not there to benefit a black child. No, it's not. You know, it's not designed to benefit a black right. child. And when I say that, people take offense. Mm. Do you understand? So, and for me, I've realized to say, for me, it's an error that you look at. You've 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 asked an important question to say in terms of enterprise development, who go, who gets the money? Does it go to the pockets of the entrepreneur? No, it doesn't. Mm. In an incubation or whatsoever, or even in a BE deal. Who gets the money? Is it the black man or the no. black woman? No. Do you understand? So, and for me, I have said, Hora, this thing is supposed to be for blacks by blacks. Mm-hmm. But right now, white agencies, mm-hmm. you know, I've had this discussion with, with, uh, the commissioner of BE. Mm-hmm. Um, she said even I can quote her. She's even said it herself to say the problem is that from, let's say they would say eight million, that's the budget for enterprise. Do you understand? So you'd find that even the entrepreneur doesn't even get 10% of that. No way. Do you understand? No way. So the, the agency will take 80% or, uh, of that budget for themselves mm-hmm. and they use the 20 or the 10% to be seen as if they're making a difference or training, to be seen. On yeah, yes. Who provides the training? Not black people. But why though? What are we getting wrong? Are we not understanding of the legislator? Uh, are we, what are we missing? So, the missing ingredient, you see, when you have two parties, you have to have strong counterparties. Mm. Right now, in the corporates, there are no strong counterparties. So, let me take a BE deal. There's no BE deal that will be defined in the terms of the black person. You already come there with the terms already defined for you. So, there's no strong counterparties and deals. That is why the deals are certainly one-sided. They benefit the company. They benefit the funders, but to the detriment sometimes of the black shareholder. Mm. If the 
is a bull market, <laughs> that's when you might be lucky. Mm. But in a bear market, there's a lot of black people that have lost their shirts. And the company has benefited throughout all these years. And the black people were not getting a cent. And there were bankers were getting their dividends in terms of the paying back of the interest and the capital. And at the end of the deal, you find that what has gone to the black people over the period and even at the end, little. Hmm. And so who's benefited is the others. Why did we get to that situation? Is because there was no strong negotiation of the counterparty saying, if we don't do this, uh, then we walk away. Because a black party can walk away. Voya will walk away. Debojo will say, no, I'll, I'll do it even if it's a crap deal. Just yeah. to show that I'm now a BE partner to this big company. So, and therefore... In enterprise development, there's no counter parties that are able to argue for black people. So that is the problem. Mm. Nobody is out there saying, I'm going to negotiate a good deal for black people. Who is out there doing that? Yeah. So, 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 yeah, no, you, 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 you know, right, right now you're challenging me. Mm. Do you understand? Um, cause, cause I, 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 I sit in some of these platforms. I find myself sitting in the right tables. And right now I've seen, having been in entrepreneur to say we do not benefit. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. And for me, you realize to say there's organizations like Abu Mapungani. Mm-hmm. There's organizations like Section 45 and many other that are there to fight a black man. To fight their black men, not for the black men. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just, uh, to fight the black men. To say, the minute corruption, they're very quick. Mm. Just, uh, they've got big budgets to go to high court to be doing this and this and this and that. Do you understand? So, for me, it has been, why, uh, why don't we have one for blacks? Do you understand? That fights white men for the blacks. Yeah. Do you understand? So, and, and for me, it's right now, the question is me and you can start it now. Do you understand? The next thing we're gonna lack the financial backing for that to be to you know um to to be carrying on the investigations to be doing this and that. Do you understand? Because yeah. for me, even from a political sense, I didn't understand that um at some point even DA they were saying no they're going to Gandla and this and that. Do you understand? I mean I've got a house um you know in in um in Nasna. Do you understand? Even when you're sitting on the ninth hole, um they. You're looking across. That's P.W. Porter's in Gandla. Yeah. Do you understand? Exactly. Do you understand? I mean, Helen Ziller themselves. Do you understand? Why aren't we having black journalists and everything else investigating to say, guys, but what you're proving here, you know, white people, they've got more. Yeah. But who's going to fund it? You don't expect the white people to fund that, right? Yes. So, and and if our black brothers and sisters are not going to find fund it, so that's why it's not going to happen. What is the skin in the game of the black people? But white people will fund a white organization to fight a black man. Because they put skin in the game. Afri Forum put skins in the game. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's why they're making so much. Yeah. And here we have laws that are set to benefit black people. And we're not getting the full benefit. And what do we do? We don't organize. We don't engage robustly. Because we are financially fragile. You stand up, Debucho, <laughs> and you speak up. Mm. You become financially fragile because there's nobody backing you yeah. just to fight the good fight. Mm. And I ask you a question, which is why I would tell you why most people don't speak up. How many black professionals will be able to survive if they did not get their June salary? 
<laughs> a lot. Majority of them won't survive. Mm. So, it is it safe to say ninety nine percent won't survive? It is. That tells you clever blacks are fucked. Because if they don't survive, what are they going to do? Where are they going to get jobs? Where are they going to get deals in terms of business? That's why they don't say anything. Because yeah. they're financially fragile. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's traumatizing really having this discussion. And, and, and for me, maybe um, for you, I'm, I'm well-traveled. Mm-hmm. Being well-traveled, I've realized to say a black child is disadvantaged everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Do you understand? So we even disadvantage in our own continent. Yeah. So right now I'll ask this question because I know you um, you're a spiritual person. Do you understand? So for me, it's what I've asked myself to say, God, have you created a black man to suffer? Do you understand? Because for the fact that we 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 because uh, right now, do you remember? I mean, they would say, um, we know we're not we're fighting we, uh, principalities. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So to say c- certain things, we need to be able to look at them from a spiritual context. Or is this a spiritual battle that we are in? Or is it just that we are generally created to suffer? Cause right now I'm still trying to position where is the right, the black man created and what is it created for? Cause everyone else thinks they're superior, everything else. Do you understand? So for me, I don't want to be deceiving to somebody that, that is listening to the show. And I don't want to be deceiving to, I'm a father. My kids are, are growing. Do you understand? I need to be able to know what you say. Cause it's like, it's a struggle being, from the minute you are born, it's a struggle. Yeah. Where are we created to survive? God is not a respecter of persons, right? Mm-hmm. So God did not create this disadvantaged. All this is disadvantage is man-made. And <clears throat> that's the first point. Mm-hmm. You have a power to accept that or not accept it. Okay. And of course, if you don't accept it, you stand the risk of being killed. Mm. So, and we don't want to die. Therefore, we accept the status quo. So, how can it happen that where you have a black majority, you still have the economic power not in the hands of black people? Hmm. Good point. It's a choice from a point of view that you can do something about it without killing the economy. Hmm. But because you're scared of the consequence of not having certain comforts, that is why you don't see people moving. That's why God doesn't have anything to do with this because he endowed all of us with the same abilities. It's about how we use these talents. It's like taking somebody, you have five talents, and you've got one talent as a black man and you're burying it. That's why it's not going to multiply. You have to use your talent. That means that you have to, if you're being planted on the ground, you're going to break the seed. You're going to get out of the seed and grow into something. And it's painful to grow. So if we're not able to take that pain of growing and multiplying the talents, that's why we're not going to be able to rise out and bear fruit. So we like take a seed and not even bury it on the ground to allow the vagaries mm. and the roots to come through. And that is why then the talent gets taken. But there are black people who've been able to take their two talents and multiply them to four. Hmm. We can't say all black people are poor. It's, no, it's we true. can't. Yeah, that's true. But for those that, that, that that's why the, 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 the parable of the talent applies here. How are we using our talents? Because we're scared of certain things. 
because we think that if we do this, this is a negative consequence. Like when I started Empowerdex, mm-hmm. yeah, some people made me think that I'm crazy and it's not going to succeed. But I said, no, I know who I am and I will allow my light to shine and grow that light. And it worked hmm. because I did not take that one talent and buried it. And there were people who didn't like that because they said, this is reverse discrimination. I went to like Stellenbosch talking to farmers. They were so red in the early days of Empowerdex. They hated me. Hmm. But then I stood my ground and said, you're not going to mess with my light. This is going to happen and I'm going to allow my light to shine. And it grew and it grew. And actually, when we did the Agri-BE, the initial Agri-BE, mm. there was so much cohesion in that thing. It's because we never wavered on the principle to say, I'm going to allow my light to shine. So, black men, you can emancipate yourself. Start looking. And the first thing, take your talent, don't bury it in this ground or hide it. Let it grow. Secondly, allow your light to shine. Mm. And that's why corruption will go down. Because think about what is corruption is an absence of light. True. So if you're supposed to do something, I'm an accountant, I'm not going to approve that transaction. Mm -hmm. Nobody can do anything. Yes, you can be fired. But you are saying that I'm going to stick with my light. Hmm. And when you get fired because you did not do the wrong thing, you'll be attracting more people saying, "Ah, I need this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So. That's why you need to allow your light. Even I tell my accountants at Empowerdex, so we, we agree on this. This is a budget. And if Voyo comes and said, uh, I need this and this and this, but Mr. Check, you said this. I listen to my accountant. I need somebody who's <laughs> going to tell me no as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Two words. Um, radical economic transformation yeah. and black industrialist. What is that according to you? You see, radical economic transformation. So... I mean, the ANC came up with this term in the manga womb and actually said this must actually happen when okay. you radically transform the economy. Mm-hmm. But the reality behind it is that it was never smashed with substance. So it then became more of a buzzword. But we actually do need radical economic transformation because there's three approaches that have been taking place. Mm-hmm. Right now, what we're seeing is reformist approach where you're just changing the cover of the book. But the book stays the same. You make it seem like there's changes. And that's a risk that we're running even going forward, that we're following a reformist approach, that we're not getting radical stuff. So reformist approach is what we've been having in the economy most of the time. Okay. Nothing has really radically changed. Why how how do we know that? If I ask you who's the black pioneer in banking, the black founding fathers of banking in South Africa? Who? I don't know any. Who's the black founding father of agriculture in this country? None, I don't know any. Who's the black founding father of the fourth industrial revolution in South Africa? I don't know any. Okay, there's none. Why is there's none? It's because there hasn't been radical economic transformation, right? Hmm. But you go to the likes of Nigeria, it's a different case. You've got exactly. your Tony Emuleu, you've got, you know, um, Dangotem, you go to Zimbabwe, you've got Strive Masiwa, mm. you know, there's African entrepreneurs that are creating, um, you know, major shifts. Yeah. Do you understand why can't we, and we're supposed to be the gateway of Africa. So why can't we, why can't it start here? Because we we are following the reformist approach. Now the problem with the current rhetoric around radical economic transformation is that it is just based on 
this is what we need. But there's no action points. There's no steps of how that's going to be reached. So it's head in the clouds, but there's no feet on the ground. So in my mind, what I think we need to have is reality-based economic transformation. That is radical, but that has steps. This is how you change it. And that's why the Nation Building Fund is a great concept to be able to practically follow those kind of steps. We're saying this is what needs to change Mm -hmm. and these are the steps. Step number one, step number two. And I can, when we have more time, you know, we can go through what are those steps. Yeah. Because it is doable, but there must be political will. And therefore, when you have that political will, then you're going to start seeing things changing. Political will backed by political actions that shows result. So you have your head in the sky and your feet on the ground going the same direction. Mm. Because what we've had in the past is people saying something, feet doing something else. Yeah. So it's confusion. That's why nothing would have not, nothing has been built in the last eight years. Mm. We've just been seeing things going downwards, downwards, downwards. Mm. So it's about time we started building stuff. And building is not easy. It's easy to take. It's easy to loot. But to build, it's hard. Mm. But that's what we need. And radical economic transformation needs builders, not people who are just going to take without adding value. Mm. Africa Empowered. Um, I've had an opportunity of attending it back um, back in the days. Yeah. I think your vision at the time was to bring in African leaders or create African leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what happened to that? So there was twofold. We were looking at the grassroots because when we went with BE, it was really a top-down approach. Okay. And so what we found at the grassroots, people didn't understand BE and therefore they were not able to participate. Mm. So we then ran campaigns with the DTI called Eye to Sonke campaign and so forth. So we then continued focusing on the grassroots. And then at the top end, so we then started the Global Shaper. So we worked with the World Economic Forum, mm-hmm. started the Global, I mean, uh, the, 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 the Shapers, um, in, uh, the, the, in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. And what then happened is that we have now hubs of, uh, the Global Shapers. And that's where you have young leaders being able to engage with people. But we were not able to go to the higher levels of politicians and so forth because Mm -hmm. we realized that actually you can have all that, but it's end up being talk shop. So you have to have skin in the uh, skin in the game and have your feet on the ground to be able to see what's happening at the rural areas, in the townships, and how you can be able to actually drive empowerment there. And that has enabled us to actually conceptualize the uh, Nation Building Fund. Mm. So now, I mean, um, you, you, you've you went in length in terms of the Nation uh, Building Fund, um, in terms of the aim. So besides, so within the fund, what are some of um, the offerings or what are going to be some of the offtakes um, that that are going to be part of the fund that maybe the listener or whatsoever maybe could get to be part of? So we're kicking off with the entrepreneurship, so reality-based entrepreneurship, mm. where we are and able to choose entrepreneurs that uh, participate over 13 weeks and they are required every single week to interview 10 clients. Hmm. And in the course of 13 weeks, a minimum of 100 clients. And the exit point is that they need to also come up with their little black box, the information in the memorandum mm. that summarizes the secrets of their business from that engagement. But what do you mean interview clients? You have to mm. go get business, talk to clients to say, 
this is a product that I have. Uh, would you buy? Sell. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> sell to 10 clients. Because the problem with black entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you ask them, how many clients have you seen this month? Two. <laughs> and you think that you're going to yeah. run a successful scaling business. It's not going to happen. Mm. So we're saying to them, go find, talk to at least 10 clients mm-hmm. a, a week and then be able to come back and we engage what was the outcome and so forth. At the end of the 13 weeks, if you haven't gotten a single client, that means you're not a business person or an entrepreneur, period. Hmm. Because there's no traction for mm. your product. But, but, but I don't know. With, with, with what you've said, it, it's very true. Because with black entrepreneurs, we've asked them as well, when was the time you sold or made a sales call or whatsoever? Is it the problem that we're not good sellers or we're not confident enough or we just don't sell? So it's a multiple problem. So firstly, before you sell, you need to have clarity on your value proposition and to also be able to say, who is my target client? Mm-hmm. So having that kind of clarity to be able to say, this is who I'm targeting, this is what their pains are, mm-hmm. and I've got a pain painkiller. So people are not interested in your product. They're interested in their pain. So if I have a headache and you come up with a painkiller that will get rid of that headache, I'll bite tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So if you start thinking differently about your business in terms of what does the client want, not what my product is designed to mm-hmm. do, that's what we're seeing uh, has changed for those people that have participated. Is not that they don't know how to market. They do know how to market. Mm-hmm. But it's just the product and the service how is it finessed to deal with the pain of the client so then once you're able to do that you should see more traction at the at the, at the end of the 13 weeks most people end up with more business than they anticipated and the beautiful thing about it some people drop off in the middle because they get too much business oh they can't even finish because they're dealing with so much business. so have you have you done this before oh yes we've done so we've done two rounds um and we've done one in a ch- in in a church and we've done one broadly so we've run one in rustenburg durban and johannesburg mm-hmm. and Bumalanga. so and we expanding on that and these businesses now will become part of the uh, nation building fund Kind of stakeholders. So, so now, I mean, for someone that is listening that wants to be a part of this um, exciting initiative, where can they get hold of them and more information? So, we I have a website. Mm-hmm. It's called www. At, I mean, www.vjq.co.za. www.vjq.co.za. Then the information will be on our website there. No, definitely, my brother. Thank you very much. Um, it was really good having you. Um, on the show, I'm hoping, um, that, you know, at SU, you, you, you break this down. For me, one thing that I want to say before you leave is that this is home. So you want to send a message out there, bring it there, then we'll amplify it for you. Um, and we'll bring in guests or whatsoever that you want to do. We're in support of what you're doing and we're in support of the empowerment that you're trying to do to young people out there. No, thank you, Dave. No, definitely. This is all that we had for you today. On 360 Biz, catch us again next time for another exciting installment of 360 Biz. If you've just tuned in, you miss out on an exciting discussion that we've had with the legendary Vuyo Jack. But you can always go to www.cliffcentral.com to actually catch the podcast or download the Cliff Central app to actually listen um, to the show. This is all that we had for you again. Catch us again next time. Same place, same same time, same place, right here on Cliff Central. My name is Devo Homa 40. I'm out.
360biz on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.